The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Thanks very much for being with us for our special podcast. Obviously, it's because Kevin Cash is AL Manager of the Year. Uh, Certainly well-deserved, first for Kevin. Um, And we outlined some of the reasons why Kevin is so deserving on our blog, which you can check out at raceradio.mlblogs.com. It's only the third Manager of the Year award in franchise history. Of course, Joe Madden won in 2008 when the Rays previously went to the World Series and also in 2011. So on the podcast, you're going to hear from Kevin Cash, no question on that. As expected, he will deflect um, much of the attention. But that said, we figured it was too important a word not to shed some further light on. So we'll hear from three of his coaches, uh, Kyle Snyder, the pitching coach, Rodney Linares, of course, third base coach and infield instructor, bench coach Matt Cuchero, and we'll also hear from broadcaster Andy Freed. They're all going to give us different perspectives on Kevin, uh, what he meant this year to this group, and uh, how he, uh, in essence, uh, is so deserving of the award. Uh, One other bit of the news is that the Rays did finish recently their instructional league. So they had more than 50 prospects down in Port Charlotte. So I caught up with 2020 draft pick Ian Seymour out of Virginia Tech to get his feel as to what all of this was like. But we start with Kevin Cash first congratulating him on winning Manager of the Year in the American League. Well, thank you. Uh, It means a lot. Uh, You look at... Um, you know, it, it's a great representation of the, the organization. And you look at all the nominees, uh, there's a reason why we were there. And I think first and foremost is because we had great players to work with. And I could have made the argument that, that I had uh, the, the best bunch. We fell a little bit short, but certainly can appreciate what this organization, what this group of players, what our staff accomplished this year. Pretty, pretty special to be a part of. When you look back at this year, what are you proudest of in terms of that group? Winning. <laughs> I mean, I think that's, that's, that, that's kind of the, the standard that in this, this industry, it's about winning. Uh, and we did it. And we did it the right way. We, we did a lot of special things throughout. Uh, I think that you know, the, the, our path to get to the World Series was pretty spectacular. To go uh, five games against uh, – winning two games against Toronto – then to go five games against New York, winning game five in the fashion that we did. Uh, and then, you know, it, none, none of us liked uh, the ALCS, how it shaked out with winning three. I would have much rather won that in four or five. But to find a way to, to recover from three straight losses in game seven was, was pretty, pretty special. What was the hardest part about all of this this year? Yeah, the, the hardest, um, you know, besides the, the, the safety protocols and the pandemic itself, which we all respected so well and commend our players and our training staff for adhering to and guiding us through that. Um, besides that, I think it, it, was, it, was, it was definitely the early injuries. Um, and then, you know, at the end, of, you know, midway through the, the rivalry with, with New York um, got tough. It got challenging. And, and there were some lines crossed, in our opinion, uh, but really commend with the way our players handled it, in particular, Joey Wendell and Mike Brasso. And I, I want to touch on Joey. You have such a unique relationship with him. In fact, I, I talked to some of the coaches, and they say one of the great things about Kevin is the humor he can display with a player, where they, he almost knows what line to cross, not cross, and everyone still respects and loves the way he does it. How do you find that line? Because every guy's different, but Joey's one that you have a lot of fun with, I know. I love Joey. And I told him after his first year, uh, I said, you know, I, I, I haven't done this a long time, but I can't imagine managing a player uh, and, and being more honored to manage a player than Joey Wendell. The personality that he brings to the ballpark every day uh, the balance that he brings, the care for his teammates. And Joey, jo- Joey would rather win the game and not play uh, if it, 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 than, 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 you know, anything else. And that says a lot about the person. And you'll, we would all take many personalities like Joey, and, and we're fortunate that we have a lot of guys like Joey. But he's, a, he's, a leadership, he's in a leadership role because of the way he carries himself. And I think, you know, that, that communication, that back and forth, you, you keep it fun. You keep it honest. And 
at the end of the day, I, I certainly hope all these players know that myself or the staff, uh, we, we have a sense of how tough this game is. And it continues to get tougher and tougher by the season. And I think they know that. And, you know, you, you've mentioned some of the moments. What's going to stick out to you? Will it be Brasso's homer, Phillips' base head, moments in the clubhouse? What's going to, when you look back at this year, what are some of the things that are going to be kind of settled in your brain? Uh, well, the, the, the Brasso homer, is the, that's uh, the coolest moment I've ever been a part of on a baseball field. And I said that after the game to the guys. It just meant a lot. There were a lot of factors that went into that. And for him to come through in that moment, uh, it was epic. Uh, and to, to just to be a part of it and have the seat that I had was pretty special. Um, there were many, many others. Um, you know, the, the, the clinching to get to the World Series, game four, um, that was just pandemonium, pure chaos. Uh, I, I said after the game that I, I started running on the field like a like I like I was a player and I wasn't. I didn't even I kind of lost myself there for a minute because I was so excited and how we came back and won that game. To have Terry Francona announce it, what did that mean? Especially after all he's been through this year too. I know you've been in touch with him. Uh, a lot, you know. I've texted with him in between, uh, you know. His, talking, talking with him throughout this season, even while he was gone, he's gone through a lot. He means so much to me uh, professionally, but so much more personally. And what, you know, our, my, my, my family loves him. My kids love him. My wife loves him. Um, you know, and, and to me, he's the gold standard. You look at how his career has evolved as a manager. There, there aren't many guys that are still doing it uh, as many years as him. And that just means that he has adapted to so many different things throughout his career as a manager and been very, very successful while, while adapting. Were you expecting the silver slugger comment from him? Without a doubt. Uh, I, you know what? I, I was happy with that one. I thought he was going to get a lot worse and it was live TV. So it wasn't allowed to hit the rewind button and, and edit that out. So I was thrilled. I'll take the silver slugger all the time. What was the reaction like at home? They were excited. Uh, Emily, Camden, Ella, JD, they were all excited. Dave Haller's here with me. Uh, we, we were all pumped. Um, you know, last year we did this, and uh, it was a pretty exciting experience. I, I didn't win, but Dave Haller was holding a, an iPhone with uh, Ella holding an umbrella over Dave Haller while I'm getting rained on uh, doing it at JD's Little League Park. Uh, so this one was a little bit calmer, but, uh, the reaction from all my family, uh, and they're just so appreciative of their support and, and how much fun they had over the, you know, the last three weeks into the postseason. You mentioned Tito. What did he say to you? Did he talk to you at all at some point after game six? And is there anything that he said that you think is going to stick with you? We talked, uh, and, 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 as usual, he always has, you know, the right message, the good message. That's what's made him so special. And I think over time, I mean, look, the decision, it's still something I think about daily, uh, but couldn't be more appreciative of the support that so many friends uh, have shown in Tito right at the top of the list. There were two things that bothered me about the way media reacted to the decision. One was that I think anyone who knows you knows you don't script a game. And when people say he scripts a game, I mean, how did you feel when you started hearing that from the outsider? People asked you that. Um, well, I, I wasn't thrilled with it, but I understand. And you have to respect all angles and appreciate all opinions. Um, but I don't, I, I'd be the first to say, I'm not too proud to say that we, I want as much information as possible. And we're going to talk as an organization. I'm, we're going to talk as a coaching staff. We're going to talk as a front office. Uh, and certainly I'm going to talk to Q and, and Kyle Snyder in game on trying to make the best decisions. And we don't always agree on things, uh, but there is no scripting. This organization is, as far as I'm concerned, the best organization. Uh, they allow us to be ourselves and that has trickled all the way to our players. Um, but shame on me or anybody that is not willing to listen to people and, and value all the opinions to come up with the best decision. Game five last year against the Astros, you thought spurred you on and kind of carried over to this year. Can what, how the season ended last year spur 21, do you think? And how? 
I certainly hope so. Uh, look, we, we had, we did some amazing things. Our players are still very young. Uh, I think that the deeper we got, the brighter the lights got rightfully. So they should have, uh, I think that we will be more, even more equipped for that going in, uh, to, to 2021. And, you know, hopefully it's a little bit closer to normal. We would all, uh, appreciate that. Um, but, but saying that regardless, whatever the circumstances is, you've got to look at your past experiences to help you moving forward. And I think we're really good at doing that. You get some downtime now, or do you, do you start already start thinking about next year and having conversations? Uh, I'm enjoying a little bit of downtime, uh, but still having the conversations, uh, the, the priority, uh, of this organization, our club, uh, as a group should always be, you know, at the forefront of our minds. Cause we just care so much about, uh, everything that goes into it. Kevin, congrats again. Well-deserved. Neil, thanks a lot. Good talking to you, man. That's the Rays' Kevin Cash, and hopefully the first of several Manager of the Year awards, because that means the Rays are good several more times, and we certainly hope for that over the next uh, who knows how many years. Rays players, their staff, they're certainly thrilled for Kevin. Kyle Snyder's been the Rays' pitching coach uh, for several seasons, and he was among those who felt that this year's honor is more than well-deserved. Just having the privilege to, to work alongside him and, and, and watch him do his thing over the last three years. I mean, you know, getting the recognition that he's gotten over the last three years has been great. But, you know, for me, you know, I, this, is, this is certainly the year that if he hasn't deserved it the last two, uh, he certainly deserves it this year. Just given, you know, all the things that he had to contend with, you know, as the leader of this club. Um, and just really the success uh, that the club had this season. Let's go into that in a little more detail, especially from the pitching side. If I would have told you before this season you're going to lose Colin Pochet, Andrew Kittredge, Jalen Beeks, Chaz Rowe, uh, and I know I'm missing several others, and then have to remake the bullpen on the fly, not have Charlie Morton at full strength, how would you have thought this team would have done in a shortened season? Uh, Not nearly as well as we did. Now, having said that, I'm just not taking anything away from, you know, everybody that stepped up in the process. But, you know, uh, it, it's just it's just a testament to his ability to 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 understand, um, you know, value almost instantaneously. And, it, you know, related to the, you know, the guys that did come up um, and, you know, he's really I'll say this, Neil, like he's really complete in his inclusion of staff office ideas does a phenomenal job just bringing people together and really optimizing everyone's strengths now that doesn't just stop at the you know the staff or you know the upper management you know it it really probably is 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 better illustrated just in terms of how well he handles his club and understanding their strengths um, and how to really optimize those um, it, it's just been a treat to watch just how he goes about his business. Um, you know, the level of buy-in that he's been able to achieve, you know, with this club and selflessness that this, he, he's been able to achieve with this club over the last three years. And, and yeah, it's just been, for me, like I said, it's just been an absolute privilege to work alongside and, and, and just watch him do it. What makes your relationship with him special? Because I think he always talks about the relationships he has as most important and how it leads to success. You know, I, I think I, I try to come from, you know, a, a little um, I kind of a more of a here and now approach. You know, I mean, so much so much of, of the things that are available to us now have to do with, you know, what we you know might predict, you know, is occurring in the future. But just, you know, the importance of the psychological component, you know, where are guys on particular days? Um, you know, because it's not just baseball, you know, that, that, that may have an impact, impact on their productivity, but like, you know, everyone's, they have their own lives outside of the game, families, you know, things that, you know, every, everybody in this world, you know, has to contend with, you know, and not just, you know, always be prioritizing their profession. Um, but leaning on like Stan and myself, you know, as it relates to those things, um, you know, leaning on, you know, just kind of where the guys are and where their stuff is, you know, right now. Um, he, he just, I don't know, the, the trust that he's 
uh, he's provided Stan and myself, you know, just on our, in our department, you know, it has really been, you know, one of the more eye-catching things for me, uh, since I've been here in Neil in the last three years. And, you know, um, you know, the trust that, that he provides us, man, it's just, I, I, you know, it gives, it gives us the opportunity to speak, you know, to speak freely and, and, and to, to share, you know, our thoughts on things. And, you know, that's just, that means a lot, you know, to both Stan and I, you know, just given the work that we put in, you know, trying to, to sort through, you know, and take the temperature of our guys day in and day out, you know, and, and where they may factor into the game that evening and, and how, you know, the impact that may actually have on, on whether or not we win or lose. Like, um, as a staff member, you know, um, that's why I feel like it's such a privilege to work alongside Kevin, just because, you know, um, you know, I mean, uh, all biases aside, I mean, he, he's, he's as, as good as any manager in the game and probably as good as any manager in terms of kind of how the game has changed. Um, you know, he's been at the forefront of this, uh, and, uh, he certainly, he certainly deserves to be recognized as such. It is a regular season award, but has he gotten too much criticism for Game Six? Do you think? One hundred percent. I mean, it's not. It's unfair, quite honestly. I mean, we were forty and one, I think, into the sixth inning, with a lead. Um, you know, nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to talk about all the decisions that he made going into, you know, uh, that, that got us to that point. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it, it, it's a highlighted, you know. Um, you know, microscope of sorts, you know, when you're on that, that stage, you know, but, um, you know, the, the, the game has changed, you know, I, I'm not sure going forward, you know, where the balance lies as it relates to advanced analytics, um, and, and, and decision-making and, 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 and the other things that, that are harder to measure, you know, but has he gotten too much criticism? Oh my goodness. For me, there's, there's, there's no question. It's not even, yeah, it's, there's no question. And one other thing, you know, I, I think what a lot of players talk about is how he's keep it, he's been able to keep guys loose. And that's one of the reasons this team has maintained that attitude through the last few years, despite all the adversity. What's a good maybe story you have about Kevin in keeping the group loose or keeping you loose or, or, or the staff loose in some way? Cashy loves to have a good time. So, you know, keeping the staff loose, minus maybe myself at times, just <laughs> given how I'm wired, and I'm sure that people will touch on that. But, like, he keep, keeping us loose in the dugout, I mean, is 100% in his wheelhouse. You know, he loves to have a good time. He loves to keep it light. But I think, moreover, I think the thing that really stands out to me more than anything else is his ability to let the players be themselves. And, you know you still have to to rein that in a little bit, right? So that there, there's no self-sabotage involved by letting guys be themselves so much. I mean, there there has to be some some type of fence around that. But his ability to do that, you know, to implement the buy-in, you know, the unselfishness um, that you've seen on display for three years, the team concept that's come through this, um, just the level of safety that these players feel, you know, they're not looking over their shoulder. They're not questioning their ability. You know, that's not an easy thing to do. And, and he's been tremendously tactful at being able to, you know, um, lean on his staff, no question. But, you know, really just what within that clubhouse has been so successful at creating that environment in which all these guys, you know, they all understand their contributors. You know, they never question their ability. You know, and they just constantly believe that, you know, uh, they're here. They're here for a reason. They're not looking over their shoulder and wondering whether or not, you know, they're going to be taken off the roster or sent, you know, to AAA in a normal season or any of that. And, and I think that really contributes to the level of success that the ball club has had over the last three seasons. That is Kyle Snyder with really good perspective on what makes Kevin Cash tick. Now, Kyle's been with Kevin for a bit, um, and they played together, too. Rodney Lenoris came in from the outside with the Astros and has been the race third base coach the last couple of seasons and certainly was thrilled also to see Kevin Cash recognized. For me, it would mean like what all of us know, uh, what type of person Kevin is, what type of manager he is, especially the way he brings everybody together to buy into what we're trying to do over there in, uh, in Tampa. 
how much fun has it been for you? Because this was your first experience at the major league level. Uh, you've been to the postseason now, back-to-back years. What has made the environment special? It's more of uh, the way he allows everybody to be themselves. Uh, you know, going into a new organization like I was two years ago, not knowing any, like I'm, I'm, I'm not the only person I knew personally from the, the Rays was Stan Borowski. I knew the names. I knew Kevin, uh, Chad, and all those guys by name. I didn't know them personally, but he allows not only the players but the coaches to be themselves and. You know, let everybody, he doesn't micromanage. He lets everybody do their job and he keeps it loose. The players feed off of it. Uh, we definitely do as coaches, we feed off of it. And we understand that we're in that environment where we can be ourselves and also express uh, what we have on our minds. Give me, I hear that a lot. Give me, I guess, a relatively PG versus rated R example of, you know, Kevin being himself having a sense of humor and making fun of you or someone else or, 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 or making fun of himself. Well, uh, and I know the, the other coaches can relate. Like if a player makes an error, he would, you know, come up to feeling bad at that time and, and say like, put his hand around my, my shoulder and go like, Hey, you've done a great job with that guy. Kind of stuff like that. That's just like, and you're like looking around and, and he's got a smile on his face and, like he knows he doesn't mean anything bad. He knows that you feel bad because of what happened, or it's just the times that he would, you know, like example, like he would tell Wendell, like, "Hey, the man on the other side, because you're in the lineup." Like stuff like that, like that 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 keeps everybody loose. And and for me, I, I, and I'm, you know, I've I've said this before. I voiced my opinion before. Uh, it, my transition to the big leagues would have been as easier if I didn't have a manager like Kevin. And obviously, you've had a, a tremendous impact on on this group in so many ways, um, and he's allowed you guys to do that. How how much freedom do you guys have as coaches, more so than you know, uh, what you hear from other friends with other teams? We have total freedom. For me, like if a guy's not moving well laterally, we would sit down and just like talk about. Say again, like we're you know we're open minded about like just having conversations about it. But I I get to do allowed to do my job. I am allowed to go out there and talk to the players and tell the players that's, that's, uh, that's as he allows everybody to do their job and kind of like. The other thing I was curious about Rodney is game six. I've, I've heard from a couple coaches that they've, you know, they've listened to a lot of the national talk and they think that Kevin's been unfairly criticized. Do you feel the same way? It's kind of disappointing here in some people that are, you know, not only ex big league players, but a lot of people that you kind of that kind of opinion of it on TV, saying you know uh, this and that. We're not back in the day, you know. Hear that? I think we did what we he did what worked for a year, what made us the forty and twenty, uh, uh, you know, winning more games than anybody in the American League, and what got us to the to the Game Six of the World Series. Yeah, but uh, you know what I. I think everybody else would have said it would go both ways. Like if Mookie comes up and hits a homer off of Snell, then everybody's like, he should have taken him out, you know? So I, I think he has been unfairly criticized about it. I think that we use the same formula that worked for us the entire year. You know, we brought in and then Anderson, you know, in so many spots that we thought this is the bridge that is going to get us the win. Work. You got to give a lot of credit also to the to the Dodgers. You know they had a really good lineup, really good team. But again, I think he has been, and you know he has been really unfairly criticized about it. And I think that uh, you know you got to be in his shoes. Like if you got something that's worked ninety percent of the time, why would you go with the other ten percent of the time? Just because you want to be sentimental. You know you were. I think Kevin's sleeping well. I'm sleeping good. You know, even though we didn't win the World Series, uh, we we went at it with our best guys, uh, and, and you know, and it worked out. And one team's got to win, one team's got to lose. So hopefully next year we can get back there, and, and and hopefully win it. But again, you know, it was a great year, and and I'm so you know so proud of the way the guys went about it with, with all the stuff with the COVID and all that stuff. There was a lot of hurdles, and I think if we don't have a guy like Kevin to guide us. I think we wouldn't have gotten to where we got. What have you learned from him? Uh, somebody asked me, what have I learned from him and what has he learned from me? I think 
what I learned from him, and I've said this before, is like the way you should treat other people and, and kind of like create that environment. That's something that I, when I manage in the minor leagues, I pride myself in doing it. But just seeing the way he, uh, you know, works around players and talks to players, and he's so accessible to the players, just being open-minded about all the stuff that's brought up. You know, we went at it uh, and put some four-man outfields in the World Series, like like else would do it but a guy like him i think nowadays and the way the game is you have to be open-minded about all this stuff because if not if you don't get creative and be open-minded you're not going to be able to compete unless 400 million dollar payroll you know so i i learned a lot I, again i learned a lot from him from from that stuff and then the other thing is communication you know he's great there he talks to to uh to the coaching staff talks to everybody uh, he's open about, you know, his his uh, office is always open if you want to go in there. And, and that doesn't happen in every big league team. That's Rodney Linares, who highlighted the communication of Kevin Cash as his greatest strength. Matt Cutrero, the race bench coach, communicates with Kevin all game, every game, and has a pretty good feel for how Cash would discuss winning the award. Well, you know, I'm sure he'll downplay the importance of it, but, you know, there's nobody that's more important to our our culture and our and our atmosphere around our team than he is and you know the guys really pull for him and fight for him every day so it would be a tremendous honor for him and something that would be well deserved and something that i think helps you know the notoriety of of our players because you know a lot of them aren't household names and for any for any awards to come to the team just signifies how well they've done as as players to put the coaches or whoever it might be in those positions to win. Was this the most challenging year, do you think, to, to manage to try and keep a team together? <laughs> if it wasn't, I don't want to see what it would be. Uh, it, yeah, it was tough. You know, I mean, I think there were so many different things and every team went through them. But, you know, from from just thinking all through the, the shutdown of communicating with the players, trying to make sure we were in constant contact, making sure guys were doing what we thought was best. But, you know, it was a tremendous challenge for him, I'm sure. Uh, he did a great job of it. And then when we started up the workouts, you know, the coordination that he had to do with the staff and trainers and the front office, this down to security and all those kinds of things. There are just so many things that this year, uh, the protocols that had to be followed, the roster decisions and you know, one of the things he does such a good job of is keeping everybody involved. You know, he he's obviously talking to Eric on a regular basis and all the guys in the office, but he involves us as coaches. He involves the players and, you know, the communication is what he does so well and that keeps everybody involved. So it may have been challenging, but he handled it very well. Relationships are a big part of this in addition to success of players, for sure. When did your rapport with Kevin start was it in Cleveland as coaches or before that when I was uh, a coach in 2006 I think he was a player in Durham so I knew of him a little bit but we never really crossed paths or worked together until until uh, 2014 in Cleveland and then that was just for one season and then he got the job here and I was there three more years after that what have you learned from him since joining this club and how has it helped you grow well, he's extremely consistent in what he does. You know, he, he's high energy all the time. He's, he's very communicative. He does a great job of keeping not only the players, but the coaches involved in different uh, discussions they're having. But at the same time, he doesn't, he doesn't weigh other people down with some of the tougher or heavier decisions that he's got to make or some of the you know, he handles his job the same every day. He's, he's consistent, um, keeps it positive, lets the guys be themselves. And, you know, there's a lot to learn from that. He's, he's definitely someone who, regardless of how tough things are for him or, or the, how tough things might be going for the team, every day is a brand new day. And, you know, he brings that same energy to the park every day. The Manager of the Year award is for the regular season, but in your mind, Q, does he get too much criticism for what happened in Game 6? You know, to be honest, Neil, I haven't followed uh, much of the criticism since that night because I personally don't believe it. So once, 
once we left Texas, I have not, I have not followed much of what's been going on because he did what he's done the whole time I've been here. And those, those decisions are things that he has to trust himself to make. Um, sometimes they're gut wrenching when they, especially when they don't work, but more times than not, they've worked and we would not have been in that position had he not made those decisions throughout the season. So I feel badly that he's um, taken whatever heat he's taken, but I think, you know, he'll, he'll come through this fine because he believe he's convicted in his, in his beliefs. And, you know, he does what every decision he makes is in what he believes is in the best interest of the team and the organization. And that's, that's all he can do. The thing that probably stands out to me about Kevin is his ability to balance having fun uh, with being able to handle the challenges of the job. What's a good story that you have, Q, about how Kevin has fun and has the ability to either make fun or be made fun of by you or others? <laughs> well, that's his like that's his forte is making fun of himself and others at the same time. But it's a skill, man, because, uh, you know, he has the ability to do it and not have other people get mad at him for it, you know? And, and I think, I think if, if most people tried to, or said some of the things to the players or staff that he says, people would take it far more personally, but he just has that, that personality trait and that, that ability to, have everyone know that it's all in jest and he might say something equally as harsh about himself to someone else, you know, to, to put them at ease. And that, that's something that the players really, and the staff buys into, you know, like you're, you're fine. You're trying to find ways to, to bust on him um, because he's doing it back to you. And, you know, it keeps, it keeps guys, uh, keeps their mind off some of the, the tougher things that they're going through. And, you know, I think that's that's a skill, and it's something that he's really, really good at. But as far as any any particular story, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to even think of just one. But you know, he's always he's always getting on Joey Wendell before the game about, you know, I got a text from their pitcher today, and he's so happy you're in the lineup, and um, <laughs> he wishes you were hitting higher in the order, those kinds of things, so he could face you more often, like those kinds of things that just kind of kind of take take the edge off and set set people's mind at ease before the game. That's bench coach Matt Quattrero with pretty good insight in Kevin Cash's sense of humor. And, of course, every day, Dave Wills, Andy Freed, they get to see and hear that humor with Kevin during the season as they conduct an interview with him before every game, although this year it was over Zoom. To Andy, though, this was the type of the year where Kevin Cash should win not only AL Manager of the Year, but do so in a landslide. As you and I have discussed many times, this was an extremely difficult year to manage, and those that minimize what it was over this year, I think, are missing the point. If anything, I think this was a, a more difficult year to manage uh, all the way through the World Series, and it's a shame he may be remembered mostly, and I hope not, but for that final decision of taking out Blake Snell, and finally that bullpen, which had been so reliable all year, didn't work for him, as the old line makes me think of you show me a good bullpen to show you a good manager uh right or wrong uh, he still had a phenomenal season as manager for the race and has for the last couple of years and, and i touched on this with some of the coaches i think there has been maybe because people don't watch kevin on a nightly basis but i think some unfair criticism because i don't know that he managed that game any differently in game <laughs> six than he did the rest of the year and that's what got the race to game six it's absolutely what got him to game six. And it's, as you know, it's not just how he managed it this year. It's how he's managed it the last couple of years. And, you know, I, I didn't hear complaints when, uh, when it worked most of the other times. I mean, it, I, I, look, I, there's a lot of things that go into it, as you know. Uh, the score dictated it as much as anything. You know, I disagree with, uh, I heard an interview with Bob Costas recently that's getting a lot of play on Twitter. And, and, and by and large, I think he hit on a lot of the points. But, he made it sound like it was completely preordained. I think that's the word he used that uh, Blake was going to go just two times through the order. I don't think that was the case. Uh, I think the only thing that made it really the final decision is that it was it was one to nothing. If the Rays have a three-run lead, I don't think they necessarily go get Blake Snell there. It's the same way that they've managed for quite a while, and probably the only difference was is that Nick Anderson wasn't the same Nick Anderson and. That's the part that I, 
probably had a problem with as much as anything else is that that stable had finally not only shown cracks but appeared to be coming apart and you know I don't know if they would have won the World Series I doubt they would have won one to nothing but bottom line the bullpen wasn't the same looking back especially now looking back I would have loved for them to stick with Blake Snell and probably Kevin too but uh, the fact that it was one to nothing and even like Kevin said after the game he didn't like the decision now because it didn't work but as we know you don't know the answers before you make the move. No, uh, obviously a lot is dependent on situations, and and I that was probably the the comment from Bob Costas that bothered me the most too. The preordained is if he has a real clear understanding of how this team and how Kevin is managed, and I think it's unfair to Kevin based on how, what a good job he's done over the years, and and he doesn't make preordained decisions. Right. I think there's a, a a real assumption right now that only front offices are managing the team and that the manager doesn't have a say. I, I don't think that's the case at all. I think they do have a say. I think they probably have a large say. When you look at baseball operations departments that are as large as they are these days, of course they should have a say. The team is investing in that information and all those uh, minds working in the same direction. There's, to me, a lot of lazy analysis around the game of how uh, managers make decisions. Now, it's very easy to sit back and and, may, and, and throw this, the slings and daggers that they do. But we know, in being close to the team, that that's not necessarily how it works at all. I can't speak to other organizations, but I know that for the Rays, uh, to just say that that was a, a decision made before the game, I think is, is lazy analysis. Uh, uh, I just don't think that was the case. I think that was probably the plan if it was one to nothing. And guess what? It was one to nothing. Uh, and it didn't work. And the moment it worked, or the moment he made the move and you felt the tenor of the game change, it would have changed back if Mookie Betts doesn't double. Once he doubled and it's second and third, one out, I thought it's going to be very difficult for the race to get out of this with the lead. And, and then the, team, the offense just completely went away. And that, to me, was much more the reason why the race did not win the World Series. No doubt about that. And, and I think you have seen, because you and Dave get to chat with Kevin on a, a daily basis, day in, day out throughout the year, just how much he has really grown into the guy who makes the decisions on his own in that regard. Well, I mean, many of the moves he's made the last two or even three years, I don't know if he makes in those first couple of years as a manager, and uh, that's because of his own level of confidence. You know, when, when he was uh, uh, putting, I'm trying to remember the specific moves, when Alvarado would play first base for a batter, or Adam Calera could face first base for a batter, or he put Romo... Uh, somewhere, as I recall, at one point in time. I remember asking him, and this is during 2018, could you have made that move in 2015 or 2016? And in a rather candid moment, he said, I don't think I would have, because I don't think I would have had the confidence to do it. Uh, it's very easy to sit back and, uh, and, and blame the manager when moves don't work, but my goodness, how, how much has Kevin been on the mark with his moves uh, all throughout his, his last, say, three years, especially his manager of the Rays. And look, he did it, uh, that, that taking out Blake Snell move, he did it on the largest stage. And frankly, that's part of the role of a manager right now, and that is to take the hit when it doesn't work. Uh, but he handled it great after the game. Uh, I, I, I'm anxious to talk to him in a couple of months when spring training starts to see how he feels about it uh, a couple of months later. But um, I don't know. one nothing wasn't going to win. Uh, I, I, look, if I'm being completely honest, Neil, uh, in, in the moment... I remember leaning back in my chair when we sent it the break after the move was made and saying to Dave, boy, I hope this works, because uh, I didn't feel great about it in the moment. Uh, you could feel the whole ballpark changed the moment he went to take out Blake. And then some of the Dodger comments uh, afterward have followed that up, that they felt like they couldn't hit Blake Snell. So look, maybe it would have worked. Maybe they could have won one nothing. But I have more peace knowing the fact that they ended up scoring just one run if you're banking on having to win one nothing, man, that's that's another tall order because at some point Blake was going to come out of the game, whether it be to face Mookie Betts or whether it be to face Justin. Well, maybe not Turner. That's the one guy that wasn't going to be around, uh, or to face uh, whoever Max Muncy or whoever. At some point, Nick Anderson was coming into that game, and it still may not have worked out. We'll never know. Exactly, and and look, those are and how you 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 add to the offense in the off season is certainly. A discussion we have for another day, but you know because you've spent so much time with Kevin, what stands out to you this year? What are some good stories maybe that you have having to deal with this over Zoom? Just about his sense of humor, his ability to handle things that you know kind of give people a little peek behind the curtain. 
Well, this year was so different, as you know. I mean, we couldn't get to uh, speak with players hardly ever. You were one of the only ones that could. It's part of the reason why I love so much of what you do is that we, we got a sense of the players almost exclusively through you, through This Week in Rays Baseball and through coverage from Mark Topkin and Juan Terribio at MLB.com. But we had such a limited amount of discussion with players this year. And yet we were fortunate to have a daily contact with Kevin Cash uh, every day. Uh, I, you know, from the beginning, from the moment he was hired, you know, I felt like this guy's just an, he's just such an energizer bunny. I mean, he never runs low on energy. Uh, I think in the last couple of years, there was probably only one point, maybe late in 16, and maybe part of the 18 season when some of the things were going not well that I look back and think he looks uh, a, a bit beleaguered. Outside of that, uh, I, I think every day Kevin feeds on being at the ballpark. I think he loves the camaraderie of the players. He loves uh, getting them laughing. He loves keeping them loose. And yet when the moment has to be, he is very confident in, uh, in, in making a move and then not only backing it up, but doing it in a way that doesn't come off as defensive. You know, even in that moment in game six, uh, I, I think of how he handled it in the post game, and I couldn't have been more proud uh, when he's just getting blistered with questions here or there. And you can understand where maybe he was having second thoughts about it, but I thought he was honest and upfront. Um, and, and to me, that's, that's just a sign of growth of the manager. I mean, one thing, and, I, and I've heard a, a, a former player say this recently, that if you're going to be a manager in Major League Baseball, maybe you want to be an advanced scout for a time. Uh, and I th I've thought about that recently, and, and I think for Kevin, that time as an advanced scout was probably very, very important for him because it was before he became a bullpen coach and then before he became a manager. Uh, and I, I look back, and I'm, I wish I had thought of that, uh, that uh, because I think that was a very important time for him, that not only because you're alone in your thoughts, frankly, a lot, but you're seeing how the other team manages uh, their players you're looking at how players themselves manage themselves so to speak how players can police things i think that was a very important time for him uh, when he was advanced scouting prior to then joining the indians as bullpen coach and then everything opened up by the way if he wasn't going to manage the rays he would have managed another team there's no question no doubt this year again time was different occasions were different but you still saw his sense of humor probably on a different level than most people do. What stands out to you? What are some some interactions that you and Dave had uh, that you can share? Well, it's every day. I mean, that that's that's the point that I love. Uh, one of my favorite things is uh, when we're getting ready to do our daily interview with him on our pregame show, and then he'll say, "Guys, hold on one second, and he'll yell some of the <laughs> the craziest, wackiest insults to a player as he walks by, and you hear that player laugh in the background. He knows it's not for for serious, whatever Kevin was saying to him, you know, something like, I don't know, you know, hey, did you remember to bring your bats today? Because you sure haven't needed them lately. Something like that, you know, and when you hear the player laugh in the background, that player knows that the manager not only has his back, uh, but but just can lighten the moment. Great stuff from Andy Freed, providing some really good insight into Kevin Cash. I did say at the top of the podcast, we would have one minor league segment. Ian Seymour was a draft pick out of Virginia Tech that then had to wait after the draft until an instructional league was set up because of the pandemic. So we discussed uh, the just-completed instructional league and also what he did before that. I was up at home pretty much this entire summer, all the way up until instructional league. So in that time, I work out at a place up here called Cressy Performance. Actually, it's where Oliver Drake goes to, so I, I'm familiar with him. And I was just going there pretty much every day except Sunday until the instructional league started. So what, do, what types of things do you do? I know they're very well known uh, for working with pitchers specifically. Um, did you throw a lot of bullpens? Did you throw a lot of sides? Did you face hitters? What types of things did you do to keep yourself in shape and sharp but also not overwork yourself? I was in constant communication with the Rays on throwing stuff like that. So. Um, there I could I could work out in terms of lifting and running and stuff like that and they also had a, they have a pitching mound in there to throw bullpens and um, there were situations where we would go to a, a random field or an indoor batting cage and you would just throw to live hitters who are around in the area in, in similar situations so um, it, the whole workload was monitored by the Rays for sure and I was basically just staying as sharp as I could without overworking myself. It was, it was that nice middle ground I think I found during that time. 
So give us an idea how much it was. Were you throwing two bullpens a week, a bullpen a week, and how often were you facing hitters? Yeah, so um, for a while I was throwing two bullpens a week, one regular bullpen, and then one live outing, or live hitter, live BP, whatever you want to call it. And I did that basically from June all the way up until whenever Instructs started. I think I took maybe like one or two weeks where I just played light catch every day. And then other than that, it was twice a week off a mound, um, throwing to, and then once a week throwing to hitters. So how important was it for you to get to Instructional League and actually get some experience getting to know some guys, getting to know some coaches, being in front of people again that, you know, are going to be part of your family? Yeah, I thought it was such a valuable experience for me, just getting familiar with the organization, with um, like the training staff, um, the pe- the the medical staff, everybody there. Um, just getting familiar with them, getting comfortable in pro ball, and then finally getting to play after all that time off. Like playing in a game was just so nice, and um, like actually competing for the first time in a while was really really fun. Tell me what that was like. Um, did did you throw a lot of innings? Were they just kind of short stints, intra squad against other teams, and who'd you face? Um, yeah, so it was, I think I had four appearances, we did inner squads, and then we also played the Orioles and Red Sox there, so it was, I think I threw no more than six innings total when I was down there, um, so it was short stints, uh, we threw, I think maybe like five sides too as well during that time, um, and it was nice like getting on all the, all the data that the Rays have, um, like getting a baseline for me when I was there and just competing against other pro hitters, which is something that I didn't really have much experience with before. Like this is my first time throwing against pro hitters, which is fun. How different is the data that you got from, let's say, does Cressy do provide any data? Did Virginia Tech do a lot of data management in the ACC? How different is it? Um, yeah. So they both use TrackMan. It's just the, the Rays were more in depth with it, I think. Um, and they had a little more, um, like tools, I guess. So like there was, they have like force plates and different things like that with the rays that I wasn't throwing off of force plates and getting graphs on my throwing and stuff like that um, at Virginia Tech. But I still, there was access to data and um, I think that's definitely becoming a bigger part of college baseball, um, especially with how often it's used in Major League Baseball. I think that college programs are really adopting that. So, and tell me what you learned about your stuff. Uh, and, and how do you hope to use the off season now as you get ready for next year to grow? Um, well, so I, first and foremost, I learned that my stuff plays at, at a professional level. I think in my exit meeting, they said that I have pretty outlying characteristics in some of my, some of my metrics, um, which is cool. So I think that their philosophy is just pitch to those strengths and then learn how to sequence my pitches really well. Cause in college, the pitching coach usually calls the pitches and mm. I'm not as involved in that process. So I think that's going to be a pretty big aspect of what I want to focus on is just learning how my pitches play off each other as well as getting used to um, the pro ball schedule. It's like three times what the college schedule was and um, like developing those routines that are going to make me most successful over the course of a full season like that. Um, if it happens in that full capacity, which I'm hoping I think we all are. Give us an idea of what your stuff is, you know, what, what you throw, and what do you think you're now learning some, you know, more via the data, what your greatest strengths are. Um, yeah, so I throw a fastball, a cutter, a slider, and a changeup. And um, I think my fastball and changeup have outlying movement characteristics. And is that... Is it's it like a, above average. Is that a, is it like, a, are you one who's got a lot of carry, like carry on your fastball or really yeah, good drop so I, in your change? What are the things that separate them? Yeah, I think I, I get good ride on my fastball, good carry, so it resists that fall of gravity. And then um, I get a lot of run on my changeup, and there's also a big difference between my fastball and changeup in terms of that vertical um, height. And how big is the, like, uh, the velo gap between the two? Um, I would say at most it's like 16, but on average it's probably like 10 or 12. 
which is still a pretty good separation. And what types of things are you going to be doing in the off season to kind of prepare yourself physically? Do you want to get stronger? Are you looking to add velocity? Um, how, how, what are kind of your, your plans with Cressy performance up in Massachusetts? Yeah. Um, I felt physically, I was in a really, really good position this fall. I, like I, I felt awesome. My arm felt great. Everything. I was throwing harder than I had ever thrown in college. Um, so I think for me, my goals are to come into the season and like be that durable guy who can stay healthy throughout that course of the whole season, throwing in any situation that I'm needed to throw as well as, um, like throwing in that higher velocity range uh, throughout the course of a whole season, not losing it as innings go on, like not losing it over the course of a game, um, just being as efficient and repeatable as possible in those movements. Um, and then, like I said before, learning how to sequence my pitches and learning how they play off each other, I think it's always going to be a process. Uh, it's going to be a process for me because that's something that's that's totally new in this in this new um, chapter of my career. So I think those are the, the three main things that I'm focused on. And Ian, as you were, um, you know, going through this process, how high did your velo jump and how did that compare to where you were with the Hokies? Yeah, so actually, I think this instructional league, I was up to 96, which is definitely a, a personal best for me. And I was averaging like two or three miles an hour more than what I was averaging in college. Did you use weighted ball or any of that stuff? I started, so I think the quarantine period was really good for me because I sort of, I got developed a new um, mobility routine that I was doing and I was just trying out a whole bunch of new things and like seeing what made me feel good mechanically, what made me, my body feel good, um, lifting wise, throwing wise, um, from a running standpoint, just, I was really just discovering those things that, that made me feel good. And um, I just started implementing those, and I think that's that's where the the jump came from. I wasn't really using weighted balls more than I had ever used in the past. And while this is all going on in instructional league, the Rays are also making a World Series run. What was that like, and what was the feeling among yourselves and your instructional league teammates? It was actually, for me, the coolest part of it was we would get to the field, and they would say. Um, They'd almost recap the game from a pitching standpoint the next day. They'd say, like, this is what they were focused on here. Um, this is what the Dodgers do really well, so this is what our game plan is. Watch out for that in tonight's game. Or watch out for that in the next the game tomorrow or whatever. And that just put into a different perspective. I wasn't just watching the game as a fan. Like, I was learning from it. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. Especially, like, being a part of the organization that's there and knowing exactly what they're trying to do. Um, I don't think that's an experience many people get to have, so I think that was definitely beneficial for me in learning sort of their philosophies and what is successful in Major League Baseball. That's pitcher Ian Seymour, and thanks to him, manager Kevin Cash, pitching coach Kyle Snyder, uh, third base coach Rodney Linares, Matt Cutrero, the race bench coach, and also play-by-play man Andy Freed. Hope you enjoyed our latest podcast, primarily on the AL Manager of the Year, Kevin Cash. We'll have more podcasts as we go, certainly as news warrants, and you can check out our blog, too. We've got plenty of analysis there, raceradio.mlblogs.com. And if there is something you want to hear, all you have to do is tweet me, at Neil Solance or at Race Radio. Thanks very much for being with us. We'll chat with you soon.